Well, we have in our gospel texts a passage that would prove very valuable to uh, a very important ancient uh, theologian by the name of St. Augustine. And in Augustine's day, there was a schism that had taken place in the church, a split that had taken place. And this uh, split involved a group of Catholics who were in the northern part of Africa. And uh, this kind of group became a sect, and it was they were known as the Donatists. And uh, the split happened as follows. In the early 4th century, in the early 300s, there was a Roman emperor by the name of Diocletian, and he instigated one of the most famous and widespread persecutions against the church that uh, history has ever seen. And uh, one of the things he was asking was that the the bishops and the priests and the clergy in general would uh, hand over their Bibles at, so that they could be burned. So what was happening was the officials of the Roman emperor, the soldiers would come to the churches and the clergy, some of them uh, would say, you know, I, I refuse to, to hand over the holy books. And they were killed. They were martyred for that. And then others said, well, look, if we, they don't, these Romans, they don't know the difference between the Bible and, you know, Martha Stewart. So let's just hand over some book of etiquette or something, whatever. It just means nothing to us. Uh, maybe there's some, it's a theologian's writing, maybe. And, uh, we'll do that. So we won't be handing over the Bible. Um, uh, and, but yet we'll satisfy them and we won't get killed. And uh, it was a debate within the church. Well, you know, these people are compromising because at least even if they're not handing over the Bible, they appear to be handing over the Bible. Okay? And they were called uh, traditores, traitors. That's where we get the word, oh, he's a traitor. Okay? And um, so what was happening in North Africa is you had a, a group of Catholics who were very fierce and hardcore, and they were saying, any traditores, we don't recognize them. Okay, so any priest, any bishop that has handed over uh, the, the holy books or even appeared to hand over the holy books, they all of their mass, it's not a real mass. Their, their ordinations of other priests, they're not real. None of the sacraments are valid from these traitors. We don't trust them, and uh, because they're evil, none of their sacramental ministry is valid. And so it became a huge theological issue. And St. Augustine very clearly taught, along with the, the, the most trustworthy tradition before him and subsequent tradition after him, that it doesn't matter uh, whether the bishop or the priest is holy or not. He could be the worst sinner in the world. The sacraments that he administers are valid as long as he follows the proper form and matter, period. So St. Augustine said... It doesn't matter if Peter baptizes or Judas baptizes. It's Jesus who's baptizing. Okay, Jesus is the one who founded the sacrament, and he has he laid down along with the institution of the sacrament, sacrament, the proper form and the matter. And it doesn't matter who does it; it's legitimate. And that way, we can have a secure knowledge that 
we have the real mass, we have the real uh, absolution that's being given in the sacrament of reconciliation, our priests are really being ordained. Okay, if it was, if everything depended upon the holiness of the priest, we'd never have the security of knowing the sacraments were valid. Okay, it would, it would bring total uh, destabilization chaos into the church and great, great uncertainty. So the Donatists proved uh, to be wrong, but they were stubborn, and the schism continued on for probably 150 to 200 years. Eventually, they, they passed, uh, you know, passed away. Just they just ceased to exist at some point. Well, there's a number of parables in the Gospel of Matthew that Augustine put to use in this controversy, and this is one of them. Or this is a parable that uh, would be um, of the type that proved to be useful to St. Augustine. Because what you have here is fish of every kind. You've got good fish and you've got bad fish. And they're all together, brought in with that one net. Okay? And it's only at the end of the ages that the bad are separated from the good. So, in the church, there are bad and there are good. Not everybody is in a state of grace. Not everybody is orthodox. And that proves true for both laity and clergy. And uh, this is a call for patience. Um, you know, we, there's a mentality, there's a Catholic mentality that's very stalwart, very hardcore, traditionalist, that says, I can't stand the fact that the bishop tolerates priest X, Y, and Z. Why doesn't he yank them from ministry? I can't stand the fact that the Pope tolerates Bishop X, Y, and Z. Why doesn't he just yank them from the ministry? These guys are, are weak. They're full of compromise. Um, well, it's uh, the, the whole decision whether to pull a, a minister from, minist- from active ministry or the decision to even excommunicate a theologian or excommunicate a layperson who's a theologian. It's a very complicated issue. And uh, oftentimes, especially in today's political and social climate, if the Pope or a bishop were to make a decision to yank someone, to excommunicate them, or, to, or whatever have you, to drop the hammer on them and get tough, uh, he could destabilize the church because there could be a whole uh, faction of the church that really respects that person and loves them. And if that person were to be removed, that whole section of the church would go into schism and be chaos. Uh, also, you know, the Pope has only so many priests to work with who can be bishops. It's not like he can make anybody a bishop. So there's a limited human resources. It's the same thing with priests. The, the bishop has got less priests than he needs to staff and to make uh, pastors for churches. He can't just go around yanking guys from active ministry because they don't, they're not perfect. Um, He's only got so much to work with. So, consequently, because of the political and social realities, oftentimes excommunication or defrocking of a clergyman is not the answer. It's just not practicable. So they got to let things roll as they are. And that means there's good and bad in the church. And that means that it's a call for discernment on the part of the laity and priests. We've got to discern. We've got to learn the Catholic faith ourselves because not everything that comes over the pulpit is going to be kosher. Okay, so you've got to know the Catholic faith for yourself. And that's what's beautiful about Catholicism. It's not my opinion. 
It's not your opinion. There is a tradition and there are authoritative councils and catechisms that we use to learn what, in fact, the Catholic faith is. So it's a call for discernment. It's a call for patience as well, knowing that because God is patient with sinners, so also we have to be patient with sinners. Finally, it's an appreciation for God's mercy for us because maybe we're the bad fish. Maybe I'm the bad fish. And God is merciful and he's patient. There'll come a time when the angels come out and they separate the bad from the good. That's going to happen. But maybe I'm the bad fish. And God is patient and he's merciful and he's waiting for me to turn from a bad fish to a good fish. Thank God. Praise him for his mercy. In our first reading, we have this image of the potter who takes the clay and he's molding it. And he, it, gets, it gets spoiled, and so he starts again. It gets spoiled again, so he starts again. See, we're in that process of being formed as a pot in the hands of a potter. We're all works in progress. And we need to have patience with one another because God has patience with us. Now, there's going to come a time when that pot is put into the oven and it's fired. And whether it's good or bad, that's going to be, it's going to be permanent from that point on. Okay, But until that time, we're works in progress, and God is patient with us uh, in his great mercy.